A social worker at a community mental health center is working with Alex, a 30-year-old client who has recently been diagnosed with moderate depression. Alex reports feeling overwhelmed by their job stress and has been struggling with low motivation, sadness, and occasional thoughts of worthlessness. They have a supportive family and a few close friends, but often withdraws from social interactions. Alex has expressed a desire to manage their symptoms and improve their overall well-being. The social worker, after conducting a thorough assessment, is in the process of developing an intervention plan with Alex. Which of the following intervention plans should the social worker prioritize to address Alex's needs? So we have first A, refer Alex to a psychiatrist for a medication evaluation, enroll in a high-intensity group therapy, focused on stress management, and recommend taking a leave of absence from work. So that would be A. B, develop a plan that includes individual cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, focusing on challenging negative thought patterns, encourage Alex to participate in weekly support groups for individuals with depression, and collaborative with Alex to identify and engage in activities that used to bring them joy. So, C, advise Alex to immediately confront the employer about the job stress, suggest a strict regimen of physical exercise as a primary intervention for depression, and recommend severing ties with any friends who may not fully understand their mental health condition. Then you have D, initiate a referral for inpatient treatment. Given the severity of depressive symptoms, insist on family therapy sessions to ensure family support and mandate a complete change in diet to improve mental health. All right, so with that, we need to first take out an answer. So let's first look at A. Do we keep A or are we throwing it out? What would we like to do with it, y'all? What are we gonna do? Throw out A. Throw it out. Yeah, y'all said that. <laughs> okay. A is out. What about B? Do we keep it or throw keep it out? B. Keep B. Keep okay. It. C. Throw it out. Throw out C. Okay. What about D? I would throw that out too. I'm looking in chat as well. See what y'all got. Okay. Everybody think it's B. Anybody want to give like a short, brief explanation why I think it's B? Well, it said cognitive behavioral therapy about changing the behavior and changing the thinking. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, I, I have to agree. It it matches with um, basically what he's dealing with mentally and then he's withdrawn from social connections and feeling of worthlessness. So cognitive behavioral therapy will kind of structure him um, to learn some new cognitive skills as well as behaviors to support the problems that um, are currently happening right now, which I feel like be. Oh, the baby answering for you. <laughs> Maurice, did you have something? Uh, it looks like he popped off the mic. I wasn't sure. Um, but you guys are absolutely correct. Oh, Maurice, were you going to say something else? 
I don't know if he was trying to say something or he's in a bad area or what. Um, but the correct answer is B. So develop a plan that involves individual cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT focus on challenging negative thought patterns, encouraging Alex to participate in a weekly support group for individuals with depression and collaborate with Alex to identify and engage in activities that used to bring them joy. So the rationale behind this, let's first look at option A. So option A might be premature to focus on a medication at this point in the high intensity group without first exploring a less invasive and potentially empowering first line intervention. A leave of absence from work might not be necessary or beneficial at this stage and could lead to additional stressors such as financial strain or feelings of uselessness. Option C involves a confrontational and potentially harmful strategies such as confronting the employer without a clear plan or support, focusing solely on physical exercise without addressing cognitive and emotional aspects of depression, and cutting off potentially supportive relationships without assessing the context or impact. And then we've got option D, suggest an early, um, suggest an overtly aggressive approach with inpatient treatment which may not be warranted given the current information about the severity of Alex's depression, family therapy, and a complete diet change, while potentially beneficial, should not be mandated without a thorough assessment of family dynamics and individual health needs. So just for the podcast, um, I wanted to go through the rationale as well. So CBT is a well-established evidence-based practice for depression that helps clients identify and challenge negative thought patterns and behaviors, fostering more positive thinking and coping strategies. Participation in a weekly support group provides Alex with a sense of community and belonging, reducing feelings of isolation, and allows them to learn from the experiences of others who are facing similar challenges. Re-engaging in enjoyable activities to help combat the anhedonia, which is AKA loss of interest in previously enjoyed activities, often associated with depression can improve mood and motivation. All right. So let's go on to the next one. A social worker at a community mental health center is working with a 15-year-old high school student. The student who comes from a diverse racial background has recently transitioned to a new school and is experiencing significant social and academic challenges. They have expressed feelings of isolation due to cultural differences and have difficulty connecting with peers. Additionally, the student's grades have dropped and they have shown signs of anxiety and low self-esteem. The student's parents are supportive, but are struggling with language barriers and unfamiliarity with the school system. The social worker needs to address the student's developmental needs considering the interplay of cultural diversity and adolescence in the current environmental challenges. Given the scenario, what is the best action for the social worker to take? So we have A, facilitate a meeting with the student's teachers and parents to discuss the academic challenges and cultural barriers in developing a supportive plan. B, arrange for the student to receive individual counseling to address the anxiety and self-esteem issues, focusing on coping strategies for their new environment. Then we have C, connect the student with a peer mentorship 
program within the school that focuses on supporting students from diverse backgrounds. Then we have D, provide the parents with resources and guidance on navigating the school system and advocating for their child's educational and social needs. With that, let's first look at A. Do we keep A or do we throw it out? Keep A. Keep A? Keep A, yes. Yeah, keep A. Okay. What about B? Throw B out. Okay. What about C? Eh, that's a good one, but I would throw that out for now. That's not immediate. And what about D? We can keep that. Now we're stuck between two here. What do I always tell y'all? When we're stuck between two, we need to make sure we go back. Make sure we understand one, who we're serving. Two, what is the presenting problem? So I'm going to go back and I'm going to highlight a few things just to make sure you guys are before you choose. 15-year-old high school student. We always want to know the age, cognitive behavioral, there's something that they want you to know about that student. The next thing is, he comes from a diverse background. He's recently transitioned to a new school. He's experiencing social and academic challenges. Right there tells me my presenting problem. Now, they have expressed feelings of isolation, one symptom, the cultural uh, differences, so I can note that, have had difficulty connecting with peers, another symptom, his grades have dropped, another symptom, showing signs of anxiety and self-esteem, another symptom. Now, the parents are supportive, but they're struggling with language barriers, they're unfamiliar with the school system. So we definitely want to make sure we note what they're struggling with. Now, you've got a couple of different things that you're juggling here. The student's developmental needs, the interplay of the cultural diversity, adolescence because of where he is behaviorally and cognitively, as well as current environmental challenges. Now, I want you to go back because we recap. You have A, facilitating a meeting with the student teachers and parents to discuss the academic challenges and cultural barriers and develop a supportive plan. Then you also have D, provide the parents with resources and guidance on navigating the school system and advocating for their child's education and social needs. So I kind of cheated for you guys here a little bit because I wanted to go back and recap. You need to make sure you understand what the presenting problems I gave you, who you're serving, I gave you what the chief complaint was. I gave you the symptoms of the problem. I also gave you what the parent's issue is. And I also recapped all of the issues that are at play. Now, it says best. Best, first, next means the same thing. So if I had to kind of paraphrase A and D, look at facilitated meaning, D, provide the parents with resources and guidance. Think of it that way. Then choose. It's going to be A. It's a. definitely going to be A. I like A. Okay. 
Y'all missed the boat. So here's the thing. A is a valuable step. However, it should follow after the parents are better equipped to understand and engage with the school system. This way they can be more effective participants in such meeting. Remember, there's a cultural piece here. So D, provide the parents with resources and guidance on navigating the school system and advocating for their child's education and social needs. Remember, that's why I had you try to say, I'm like, look, go back. What is, what is this kid dealing with here? He's got a diverse racial background. He just transitioned to a new school and he's having significant social academic challenges. I gave y'all the chief complaint. I wanted you guys to go back and look at that chief complaint again, all of the symptoms of what he came in with and then choose which one would come first. There are also language barriers. So if they go to the meetings, how are, how are they gonna be able to do that with the parents struggling with language barriers and they're unfamiliar with the school system. So it doesn't say anything about interpreters or anything like that. So we can't add to the question. The core issue in this scenario is the family's unfamiliarity with the school system and the challenges faced due to cultural and language barriers. So by empowering the parents with the necessary resources and guidance, the social worker addresses the root cause of the student's difficulties. Educating and supporting the parents in navigating the school system can lead to a more effective advocacy for the student's needs, which in turn can positively impact the student's academic and social challenges. This approach also respects and leverages the family's role in the student's life, providing a foundation for sustainable support. I didn't got y'all today, didn't I? Everybody quiet. <laughs> Why y'all quiet? No, I, I knew it was T, but I didn't say anything. I'm over here trying to multitask. I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, Shayla, see, why Why you do that? Why you leave us like that? But I understand you're multitasking. That's okay. But does everybody understand that? I want to make sure that this is really clear. I'm glad you got into your best two. Remember that even if you get between your best two, you have a 50 50% uh, chance of getting it right. So if you did not pick D initially, it's okay. It's part of the learning process, okay? But I do want to make sure I give the rationales for uh, why it's not B and C, just for the record. So arrange for the oh, student to receive individual counseling to address the anxiety and self-esteem issues, focusing on coping strategies for their new environment. So counseling is important for addressing the student's personal struggles with anxiety and self-esteem. However, this approach does not directly address the broader environmental and systemic issues impacting the student. And C, connect the student with a peer mentorship program within the school that focuses on supporting students from diverse backgrounds Peer mentorship can provide valuable social support and help the student feel less isolated. However, this action does not address the larger issue of the parent's ability to support and advocate for that child. So in overall conclusion, providing the parents with resources and guidance addressing the primary issue impacting the student's well-being and performance 
This approach empowers the family as a whole, which is likely to have a more enduring and holistic impact on the student's adjustment and success in the new school environment. Yes, Ms. Bowden. I just, how did you know I had something to ask? Okay, so the only thing that kind of threw me off was the language barrier part. And that's why I didn't choose D because how are we going to be able to provide resources and help the parents to help their son if there, if there is a language barrier? So do we, like, I know I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to add and take away from certain things, but mm, then. But you are. To, yeah. <laughs> you are. You are adding to the question. So I was like, but, you know, before we start assuming we can't, you have to go back. That's why I went back and broke it down from the beginning. What is the presenting problem? Who am I serving? They give you an age there, remember? So you got to remember where this kid is in terms of his um, development. The other piece that I highlighted, knowing that this is a cultural piece, diverse racial background, he transitioned to a new school, and he's having social and academic challenges. It's not saying that all of these things are not right to do, but only one is going to be the most effective to align with what the real issue is. Yeah. It has more to do with his culture than anything. But having the other piece I highlighted here was that besides the issues that this kid is having, the symptoms of his chief complaint of transitioning to a new school, the social and academic challenges, the other piece is that the parents, they're struggling with language barriers. So having them at a meeting is not the first step to me. We need to make sure that they understand how to navigate the school system first and advocating for their child's needs and making sure they have that. Facilitating me would come secondary to that. So we can't answer the question. I know you're fighting it, but I'm trying to make sure you understand the holistic picture of what the question is really underlyingly testing. I know you guys were going to fight me on this one, so this is a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I was, thinking, um, I, was, I was thinking A was correct. I mean, it wouldn't be the first thing, but it was mm -hmm. still something that you can do. Um, if you, after you provide information, they still kind of unaware. You can kind of have a meeting there. Mm -hmm. I got you. Turkisha says, are we assuming the researchers will be in their native language? We can't assume because that's not what they're testing, right? So that was also part of it is making sure you guys don't read too much into the question. I know this one was a little tricky, but the underlying KSA that they were testing in this question has more to do with human behavior and where this child is on top of the cultural differences. And it just got quiet. So this was a good question for y'all. This was good. Yeah, you got this. And this is what I'm supposed to do. Usually I don't get this much fight out. It's been a while since I had a fight with y'all about a question. That's good. Okay, so we're going to go on to the next one. A social worker at a community health center is working with a young adult client who has been recently diagnosed with bipolar. The client who has a strong academic background was active in social justice causes is struggling with the new diagnosis, which has affected their self-image and relationships. The client has been experiencing rapid mood swings, significant sleep disturbances, and has started questioning their previous spiritual beliefs, which were a major source of strength and guidance. 
Additionally, the client's family is not accepting of the diagnosis and is pressuring the client to pursue alternative treatment contrary to medical advice. What should the social worker do next? We have A, develop a plan that includes psychoeducation for the client and their family about bipolar disorder and its impact on various aspects of life. We have B, coordinate with the client's psychiatrist to review and adjust medication considering the recent exacerbation of symptoms and sleep disturbances. We've got C, facilitate a referral to a support group specifically for individuals with bipolar disorder to provide peer support and shared experiences. Then we've got D, introduce integrated therapeutic approaches that address the client's psychological needs, spiritual questioning, and social engagement. All right, with that being said, we are going to first look at A. Do we keep A or do we get rid of it? I would say get rid of it. Okay. Um, Miss Peek says keep. So remember, we can get to our best too. So we can keep it for now. Put a question right next to it. What about B? Keep it. C. Um. C sounds good, but I don't think it would be the best thing to do right now. Yeah, you could throw that out. Yeah, I would All right. get rid of C. Cool. What about D? I wanted to keep D, but we are, I mean, A, B, and D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got to throw out something. A, B, or D. I got to throw something out. I can't leave all three there. Could you read D again? Throw A out. Yeah, I so, would throw it. Well, okay, we could throw A out, but D is introduce integrated therapeutic approaches that address the client's psychological needs, spiritual questioning, and social engagement. Okay. So just to recap, since we're in between two, because I'm I'm trying to get you guys to you know, when you get to two answers to go back and make sure you understand all the pieces to pull out because this is an application question and they're testing a couple of different things here. So again, who am I serving? It just says young adult client. So I'm gonna highlight that because they're giving me a description, a clue to where this person is behaviorally and cognitively. We don't know his age, but we can assume young adult what that means. Now, the other piece of this is that they're diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Right there, I have to think about, okay, what do I know about bipolar disorder? And I'm assuming it's bipolar one because it doesn't say bipolar two. I have to think about the duration, effective treatment, classic symptoms, in that order, okay? Because here, if they give you a diagnosis, you need to make sure you know entirely about the pathology of that diagnosis. There was okay? something sticking out on the side. Ms. Bowden, you, oh, <laughs> you might put yourself on mute. No, you're good. Now, the client who has a strong academic background was active in social justice causes. They're struggling with the new diagnosis, which has affected their self-image and relationships. Well, there you go. There's my presenting chief complaint. Now, the client has been experiencing rapid mood swings, sleep disturbances, and they have started questioning their previous spiritual beliefs, which was a source of strength and guidance for them. To me, those are symptoms. 
Additionally, the client's family is not accepting of the diagnosis and pressuring clients to pursue alternative treatments contrary to medical advice. That's problematic, but not immediate. So with that, if you're in between two, young adult, bipolar, they're struggling with their new diagnosis, it's impacting their self-image and relationships, you also have a couple other things. You have the symptoms, rapid mood swings, sleep disturbances, starting question of previous spiritual beliefs, which are major sources of strength and guidance, right? The other piece is that the client's family is not accepting their diagnosis and they want the client to pursue alternative treatments. So you've got a couple of different issues that you're having to look at. I'm kind of, kind of throw you guys a bone here. With that, what would you choose? And I'm looking at the chat as well. I would choose A. That's, I think that's why I thought A first. A. With the diagnosis, you want to educate the, the, the parents and the, and the individual on mm-hmm. bipolar, what bipolar is and like it says how it can, you know, interfere or affect different aspects of life. Okay. Originally, do y'all have A cross out? Yeah, I'm stuck between um, B and C since he's having those symptoms. Maybe he need to talk to, to the psychiatrist. Um, but also C, he's, it's a new diagnosis on him. So putting him in a support group probably will be helpful, but I don't think that would be the first thing you do. Okay. So let's go back and I'm going to recap this again because I want to make sure I'm going to throw you another bone here. If they're struggling with a new diagnosis and is affecting your self-image and relationships. I want you to think about if you're the clinician, what you know about the assessment process, what skills you should be using at this time with that client. Okay. I want you to think about that because that's what they're really testing. This is a content area three psychotherapy clinical question. So you're also with do- somebody that has bipolar right so if i had to look at this i'm looking for an intervention right so i'm going to go through them um not in the order that you want because i want to save because a is the right answer but i want to go through them and make sure you guys understand what why the answer is the way it is oh i'm sorry not a i mean d d is the right answer (laughs) So I want to kind of go through this because a lot of what you guys said is correct, but I want to kind of go through. So I'm just going to repeat them. A, develop a plan that includes psychoeducation for the client and their family about bipolar disorder and its impact on various aspects of life. So like what was said, psychoeducation, that's very important for the client and their family to understand bipolar disorder. However, there should be a it should be part of a broader, integrative, comprehensive approach to ensure that the education is coupled with therapeutic interventions addressing all aspects of the client's life. I don't know if you guys remember, I said there's more than one thing happening here. Um, and I kept going back to say that. So education is important. It just wouldn't be the first thing you would do. Remember, first and next best mean the same thing. Coordinate with the client psychiatrist to review and adjust medication considering the recent exacerbation of symptoms and sleep disturbances. Medication review is important in managing bipolar disorder, especially with worsening symptoms. However, medication management should be part of a comprehensive plan that also includes therapeutic interventions for holistic care. So B would be out. 
facilitate referrals to a support group, especially specifically for individuals with bipolar disorder, to provide peer support and shared experiences. Peer support can be highly beneficial for managing bipolar disorder, offering shared experiences and understanding. Nonetheless, this should supplement the primary integrative approach, assuring that the client receives both professional and peer support. It just wouldn't be the first thing we would do. Because they have, this client has psychological needs, they're questioning their spirituality, and then they need social support, D would be the best approach because there's three different things going on here. So it's more of a multifaceted nature of the client situation. So addressing the interplay of biological, bipolar, psychological impact on self-image or relationships, social involvement and social causes and family dynamics, and spiritual questioning beliefs and factors, integrative therapy can help the client navigate their bipolar while also addressing the spiritual and social concerns, offering a more holistic treatment approach that acknowledges all aspects of their well-being, just because they have more than one problem that's connected to why they came in with the you know, with the new diagnosis. And we want to make sure that the approach that we choose is integrating all of those things probably into a treatment plan. This would again would be a clinical question. What are your questions about that? Did that kind of help? You guys got quiet on me again. Yeah, it helped because that was my first answer, to be honest. It did kind of help. Yes, Dominique, the answer was D. D. Okay. Again, in summary, choosing an integrative therapeutic approach is foundational, ensuring that the complex and interrelated challenges faced by the client are addressed in a comprehensive and holistic manner. This approach not only considers the biological aspect of the disorder, but also incorporates psychological, social, spiritual dimensions into the client's care and treatment plan. Okay. These are some good questions tonight. I guess it's got you. You're welcome, Dominique. <laughs> good. That means I did my job. All right. Um, sorry, I was yelling at um, Miss Peek. So she said these questions tripped me up today. Uh, look, I'm glad these questions brought y'all alive because usually it's quiet in here. I was like, I need to put, get some more confrontational questions like these. All right, here we go. David, a 35-year-old Black man, is community organizer in a densely populated urban area. He is dedicated to his work, but often feels overwhelmed by the challenges he faces, including racial discrimination and social economic disparities in the community. David seeks therapy, expressing feelings of inadequacies and frustration. He shares that despite his efforts, he often feels like his work is not making any significant impact. David also mentions a strained relationship with his younger brother who has chosen a very different, more financially lucrative career path, leading to feelings of inferiority and jealousy. The therapist notes that David speaks passionately about his community work, but often display, downplays his achievements. He also appears to be struggling with balancing his personal ambitions with his commitment to his community. What should the therapist focus on next in therapy with David? So we have A, exploring family dynamics. B, enhancing social connections. C, addressing lifestyle choices. D, goal reassessment and modification. Okay, let's look at A. 
Do we keep A, exploring family dynamics, or do we get rid of it? What we are we going to do with it? We going to keep it for now? Mm-hmm. All right. What about B, enhancing social connections? Do we keep that or get rid of we it? We get rid of it. Okay, so let's get rid of B. What about C? Do we keep it or get rid of it? Get rid of it. Keep C. Okay, we could keep it. All right. What about D? Keep D. All right, we're going to have to get rid of something. Get a bell. Um, bell <laughs> D. Okay. Oh, hold on. All right, now we have between A and C. Um, what are we going to choose? This time, I'm not throwing y'all a bone. I'm going to see if y'all can figure it out. <laughs> Look at who you're serving. I think what are his symptoms and presenting problems? I want y'all to think about that to yourselves. I think it's C. It's his lifestyle choice, choice that he's chosen. Okay. Because I thought about family dynamics, but it don't really really touch much on it you just feel like he got a little jealousy or something towards his brother but it's mm-hmm. not you know, the main focus he's having other stuff going on and so C is out what about A? I don't think I don't think his goals align with yeah yeah you know, I, I, treatment so I think it's yeah, me too. he's got I too many things D. going on that's why I'm- so you need to prioritize the things he got going on. Okay. I think it's- so I want to, I'm going to throw some at y'all because this is a human behavior question. There is a theoretical approach that is being tested. That would be the KSA for this question. Does anyone know who Alfred Outer is? It's going to be crickets. Yes. <laughs> Shayla, my lovely, lovely pupil who have coached. Who is Alfred Alder? I'm throwing you underneath the yeah, bus. The and, that- Ms. Bowden, <laughs> I've also taught you too. Yeah, that's psychology, right? Self-psychology? Am I wrong? Am I? No, you're not. Oh, oh, perfect. Oh, well, yeah. Then that, that deals with self. Uh, um, Self-image. Yes. Method of psychoanalysis, right? Yes. He also dealt with sibling position. Doesn't that sound like this dude? It does. Yep. It really yep, does. Right. It does. <laughs> so let's go back and break this down. So, A, exploring family dynamics, which would probably mean that we will be exploring David's relationship with his brother and family dynamics to understand his feelings of inferiority and rival. Well, Alder's theory emphasizes the role of sibling relationships in family dynamics and shaping personality. Exploring these dynamics could help David understand his feelings of inferiority and rivalry. It could. B, enhancing social connections central to Alder's concept of community feeling and social interest, which is really crucial for overwhelming, um, overcoming feelings of inadequacy and fostering a sense of belonging. So to tell y'all the truth, it would actually be, be according to Alfred Alder's individual psychology. 
enhancing his social connection using this approach directly targets the development of social interest and community feeling, which are key elements in overcoming feelings of inferiority and fostering a sense of purpose and belonging, highly relevant to David's situation. So B would be the correct answer based on what we know about Alfred Outer. I did not put the name in the scenario because I wanted to see if you guys would even pick it up. When you study theoretical concepts, there are a couple of things I want you to pay attention to, such as this. It's a human behavior application question one. There are a couple of key words that pop up when I thought of outer right away. Feelings of inferiority, which is one concept that outer talks about. He also talked about methods of psychoanalysis. He also talked about sibling position, right? This guy in the beginning, he is dedicated to his work, but he feels overwhelmed by challenges, including racial and discrimination, social economic disparities in his community. So that was his chief complaint. But now that he's in, he's seeking therapy, he's focused on the feelings of inadequacy and frustration. He shares that despite his efforts, he often feels like his work is not making a significant impact. He also has a strained relationship with his younger brother who had chosen a very different career, a financial lucrative career path, leading to him feeling uh, jealous. And again, here goes that word again, he has feelings of inferiority. Now the therapist notes that he speaks passionately about community work, but often downplays his achievements. So there's a self-esteem issue. There goes the self-image. He also appears to be struggling with balancing his personal ambitions with commitment to his community. That's another part of the problem. One of the things I also want you guys to keep in track of is that when you look at a presenting chief complaint that a client may come in with, it may not always be the whole problem that you need to pay attention to. Sometimes part of the other answer may be embedded later on in the question. The part where he says he is also appearing to struggle with balancing his personal ambitions with his commitment to his community was really what the presenting issue is once he got into therapy. Now it's crickets again. Okay, Did y'all so get stuck? Sarah. So huh? I, I said I have a question because all Oh Lord. No, for real. <laughs> now that you're saying sometimes answer might be at the latter part of the question mm -hmm. so that how are we going to determine what to actually because i mean i know we're looking at the presenting problem of course mm -hmm. going to be able to help us determine what the answer is going to be but then if you go further in the question and then now there's something else how are we going to determine if we need to focus on the problem or we need to focus on the extra well, in this question, it's the, did someone else pop off? Um, I wasn't sure if Michael had some say. The part, you know, when he came in with, the dedicated to his work while feels overwhelmed by his challenges he faces, including racial discrimination, social economic disparities in the community, right? That was part of what he came in with. Then you find out when he's in therapy, that he's seeking therapy for feelings of inadequacy and frustration. Then you're getting into some of the symptoms of the problem. He talks about the strained relationship with his brother. And then again, here's that word inferiority. At the very end, the therapist is making all these notes about him, right? That he's downplaying his achievements. To me, 
when I see he also appears to be struggling with his balance between his personal ambitions and his commitment to his community, that pretty much tells me a little bit more because the chief complaint of what he came in with, sometimes in a problem, it can be very generalized. That's why I said you can make sure you note what the client comes in with. It doesn't mean that's going to give you the whole problem. Usually when I look at a presenting problem, I'm always looking at who the client is, what they came in with, if this is a diagnostic question, what's the disorder, making sure I know about that disorder, what are the symptoms they are experiencing, what's the duration. Here, this is not so much clinical as it is an application regarding what does applying Alfred Outer's theoretical concept looks like and how do you apply it. One of the issues I see a lot of people do on the exam, especially when it comes to these type of questions, is if you don't recognize key concepts or key words, you're not able to connect it to theory, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's why I tell people you cannot memorize this stuff. You have to be able to make connect the dots. That's where that's what makes applications so much harder. I kept saying inadequacy, and when I saw, okay, strained relationship with his brother, jealousy, sibling rivalry, um, and then the, the other piece I saw was downplaying his achievements. Okay, he's got some issues around self-esteem. I automatically thought of Alfred Adler because when I study theoretical concepts, I'm always looking at pulling out what are the key concepts related to the theorists so when I see it in the question, I can recognize it. Does that make sense? Every question is going to test a different KSA. One of the hardest parts of the exam, especially for the clinical and masters, especially those two, is that they are expecting you to apply what you are reading or what you have learned to the question because it's not always going to be apparent. If you cannot make those connections, you're going to have a problem answering those questions. Understood. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. And Ms. Bowden, we've been in session plenty of times, so this is, this is not a new conversation we're having. <laughs> but does everyone else understand where I'm coming from when it comes to applying? Yes. Yep. This also goes in hand when it comes to study material. That's another reason why I tell you guys, and I get so many calls during the week, you know, I'm using the study guide and I can't answer the questions correctly. That means you have a pothole that cannot be filled with what you're using. So you need to make sure that whatever you're using to study, you're able to process the information. I've had four years to look at this stuff. I know it backwards and forward. When I was studying, I did not. <laughs> I had to rewrite my study guide in flashcard form that took three months before I could even study because of my ADHD and my anxiety. Some of you guys know that story. Some of you don't. That same process I get in my clients where they don't have to do that because everything is already laid out for them with examples. Ms. Bowden, Ms. Brown, you guys know that because you've seen it. What overwhelms people when it comes to human behavior, because it's the foundation of what we need when we get a client that comes to us and they're coming to us with where they are and we have to meet them where they are. However, in real life, we don't use all these students all the time. We don't think of them that way. We're like, okay, this five-year-old kid, they may have behavioral issues. They may have signs of neglect. On the test, they're like, oh, this kid has signs of neglect. I need to start thinking about attachment theory 
because John Bowlby may talk about the four different types of attachment that may ha have the pathology of why this kid may not be able to attach to a foster parent because they have, have been in several foster care homes and they may not trust. Then I have to think about Erickson. Then I have to think about Freud. You have to be able to tie those things together. If you can't, you're going to have a problem. So mixing and matching things. That's why I tell you guys, I don't say this just to, you know, be just saying or saying it just to get you guys like, oh, you should come to my program. No, I tell you guys this because I've seen, I've had too many people over the last three years come to me with the same problem, mixing and matching things, or they're not processing the information correctly in a way that works for how they learn. Every self-study program that's out there is not going to work for everybody. Every study guide doesn't work for everybody. Every system doesn't work for everybody. Everybody learns very differently. That's why I always say, don't mix and match things. In the study guide you're using, you see, uh, if I, you know, if you guys watch me on TikTok or you watch me here, and there's a theory that is not your guide that you don't know, you got a problem. You have to make sure that you know those theories in terms of what they look like and how to apply them. So I'm off my soapbox, but I hope, I really hope y'all hear me. So with that, we're going to go to the next question. Um, thank you guys for being alive tonight. Um, it helps me as I have my sip in my energy drink. <laughs> Just try to stay alive because I've been doing this all day. We're going to go to the next question, but I hope I gave you guys something to think about. With that being said, Linda, a 35-year-old woman, approaches a social worker after being referred by her primary care physician. She is experiencing severe anxiety and depression following a recent divorce and is struggling to cope with her new role as a single parent to her two children, aged seven and nine. The social worker's initial assessment uncovers that Linda has a history of intermittent mental health treatment, but she has been inconsistent with her therapy sessions and medication due to financial constraints and a lack of stable support system. Linda expresses concern about her privacy and is hesitant to share detailed information, fearing that her ex-husband might use it against her in ongoing custody disputes. She is particularly worried about how her mental health records might be assessed and used. The social worker needs to navigate the complex issues of confidentiality, ethical record keeping and effective intervention planning to support Linda and manage her mental health and parental responsibilities. What is the best, what is the social worker's best response to ensure proper case recording, documentation, and management of practice records? So A, assure Linda that all her records are completely confidential and cannot be assessed by anyone without her explicit consent. B, provide a detailed explanation to Linda about the legal and ethical guidelines governing the confidentiality and access of social work records. Suggest C, to Linda to limit the information that she shares in session to avoid potential issues in her custody dispute. Then we've got D, offer to create two sets of records, one with detailed information for internal use and another with limited information for external access. With that, let's look at A. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. Do we keep it or do we get rid of it? I was going to say keep. Keep A. 
Yeah. About C and D. Okay, so we'll keep A. What about oh, B? You're B, keep B. A and B. Okay, C. Throw it out. Throw D. it out. Throw uh, it out. I said you can't. I said throw A out because you can't assure them that that everything will remain confidential. So you exactly. can kind of explain it to them. So you can like you tell me. I promise you, everything will remain confidential. But you can't tell them that. Right. That's why it's B. Alrighty, with that, y'all, it's not B. What? It's not B. Psych, it is, no, it's B, I'm sorry. Now look, <laughs> I gotta give y'all a TikTok psych, okay? Because I be doing this to them on there, and they be saying all types of crazy things in the chat. So I did that for y'all one time. Yes, it, <laughs> it is B. Answer is B. That is the best response. So it involves educating the client about the legal and ethical aspects of record keeping and social work, which can help alleviate her concerns by providing clarity and transparency about how her information will be managed and protected. Answer A, while reassuring, may oversimplify the complexity of confidentiality issues in legal contexts, especially concerning custody disputes. It is important to be honest about the limits of confidentiality. Then you have C, not advisable, as it may hinder effective treatment, encouraging clients to withhold information in therapy can negatively impact the therapeutic process and the social worker's ability to provide appropriate support and intervention. Then you've got D, not a good practice in social work. Creating two sets of records can lead to ethical dilemmas and may compromise the integrity of the documentation process. This question really assesses the, your ability to understand the principles of case recording, documentation, and management in social work, especially in sensitive cases involving legal issues such as custody battles. It also tests your ability to effectively communicate these principles to clients, ensuring transparency and building trust in therapeutic relationships. All right. With that, I think I have done my job for, <laughs> for now. I got you guys to talk. All right. Well, with that, I have to go on to my next session, guys. I hope this was helpful. I will talk to you guys later. Have a good evening. Thank you guys for coming. I'll try to come up with some more com um, confrontational ones next week. <laughs> Bye, guys.